What guy doesn't want to maximize their testosterone? Through using all natural and organic ingredients, men now have an option for a locally made paraben and sulfate-free shampoo, conditioner, and face wash. Not only does Dude's Manly products smell great, which drives ladies crazy, by the way. In a good way, they put a unique spin on their shampoo with it actually having a dark gray color because of the coconut shell charcoal that is used to remove the toxins. Dude can be purchased at the Tulsa Men's Shop and also online at www.dudemanlystuff.com. That's D-O-O-D, manlystuff.com. This is Dr. Chad Edwards, and you are listening to podcast number 92 of Against the Grain. This is Diana Edwards, and I'm here with Dr. Chad Edwards, and we're talking about a very important topic today. We're talking about cardiovascular disease. Cardiovascular disease. That seems like uh, that like affects a lot of people, right? Um, mainly men, right? Actually, you know, a lot of people think that, but it is the number one killer of both men and women, not only in this country— but worldwide, it is a major significant problem. So a couple of stats. We'll throw out some stats. You want to throw one out? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So basically what we're looking at for cardiovascular disease is it affects 80 million people in the U.S. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. My question is how many of that 80 million actually know they're being affected by it? Well, I would argue, and that's that's actually a great point, a great question, because I think, I believe, you know, what we do at Revolution, we're very proactive and preventive and all of those kinds of things, and I see all the time people that are under-diagnosed, under-treated, and, and have no idea about what's going on, and so that's some of what we're going to talk about today. Good. Um, very good. Yeah, because most people don't know, and if yeah, they might think they have something like hypertension and I don't have cardiovascular disease. I just have hypertension. Right. You know, that's like, um, that, that is the beginning that that's all part of this continuum. Um, and worldwide cardiovascular disease also accounts for 30% of all deaths. So we're talking about a major, major problem, um, both in the United States and in the world. And again, it's number one killer for men and women. So that's, this is going to be, we're going to be doing several podcasts about this topic because it's a huge topic and probably one of the most common things that I hear about patients or hear from patients when they come to the clinic, uh, having seen another doctor uh, and either they're on a cholesterol medicine or they'll say, my, it's just a very common uh, complaint and or concern that, you know, what well, my cholesterol's high. Yeah. And my thought is, so? Well, aren't you concerned? I'm really not. I'm like looking at your face right, right? now. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when they come in with, quote, elevated cholesterol and they're on a cholesterol medicine, it, you know, it's a 45-year-old a woman or a 45-year-old man and they're on a cholesterol medication. Uh, and I just ask them, why are you on that medicine? And they say, well, because my cholesterol's high. My doctor told me to. Right. And so my question to them is, well, do you care if your cholesterol's high? And they're like, well, yes. And I said, why do you care? There's this fear. There's this element of fear, though, around cholesterol and the fact that it's elevated. And, and where did that come from? And it's Well, actually, it's interesting where it came from. And this could be, and we probably should do this at some point, but we should talk about the lipid hypothesis uh, and where that came from. Uh, but it started with Ansel Keys in the 1950s, uh, and he was initially laughed out of the American Heart Association or the, or the board he was trying to get on. 
Uh, and there's a whole bunch of politics involved with all of this stuff. And later he actually became one of the board members and then his theory started to take root. But it, it, it started way back then thinking, you know, cholesterol causes heart disease. And the reality is that it absolutely does not cause heart disease. It just, when you think about it at its core, cholesterol by itself. And when I say cholesterol, let me define that further. So when I'm talking about cholesterol, let's redefine that and say LDL. If you go to your doctor and have your quote cholesterol checked, they're going to check your total cholesterol and they're going to check your LDL, which is low density lipoproteins. And those are the ones that most people think is the quote bad cholesterol. The low density of lipoproteins, uh, the abbreviation for it is LDL. And many people think of that, oh, that's my bad cholesterol. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. There is no difference between LDL or between the cholesterol in LDL and the cholesterol in HDL. There is no difference. Cholesterol is cholesterol is cholesterol. And cholesterol is not harmful to your body. We're going to have a bunch of people dumping their cholesterol medicine. Right. <laughs> and, and they probably should. The, the amount of crap out there about this LDL is bad for you is nonsense. When you look at the Framingham data, uh, the Framingham is one of the largest running cardiovascular disease risk studies in the United States. The people that lived the longest actually had the highest cholesterol. And when you think about it, you know, almost every cell in your body has the ability to produce LDL on its own. Wow. So you can make LDL in these cells. Now, most of it's made in the liver, but each... You know, you've got a lot of cells in your body that are capable of producing LDL, capable of producing this cholesterol. Um, so this, if your body is making it and it's a problem, it just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Why are we all not dead from cardiovascular disease? And why are some people more influenced than others? It just, this concept doesn't make sense. Now, when, and we'll get into this in the future, but when your LDL is modified, so LDL in its native form, the way your body makes it, mm-hmm. which is a carrier molecule for cholesterol. So LDL is composed of uh, some proteins. Uh, it's composed of phospholipids, cholesterol, and triglycerides. That's the majority of it. And the composition of that molecule will change it from LDL, VLDL, IDL, HDL, all of those things. Um, but it, it's the, this, this entire structure, the LDL molecule, is not atherogenic, does not cause heart disease in its native form. It's when it's oxidized, inflamed, glycated, altered in some way, the body will then recognize that as a foreign abnormal particle, abnormal substance, and it triggers an inflammatory response and subsequent... Um, uh, atherosclerotic heart disease. So this uh, this notion of cholesterol, man, I talked about cholesterol a lot longer than I anticipated. No, I was about to just jerk you off the soapbox, <laughs> but it was getting good. It's, but it's, I mean, it is so common, and so many people are on these medicines for cholesterol, and they have no other risk factors. They have normal blood pressure. The, everyone in their family lived to be 95. Nobody's had heart attacks. You know, and when you start measuring their lipid particles and you start measuring oxidized LDL, Often they're doing well. Mm-hmm. They don't need a statin. They don't need a cholesterol-lowering medication. They may need some other things. And again, these will be topics of, right. uh, of future podcasts. But it is not cholesterol by itself. 
So what we're looking at today, basically, when you kind of brought up inflammation and that kind of stuff, is we're going to be looking at and trying to focus on the endothelial function and how this is a precursor to cardiovascular disease and can begin occurring many, many years before we actually have some evidence of CVD going on for a patient. Yeah, exactly. So uh, what you're describing is the, is endothelial function. Uh, what endothelium is, we're going to kind of talk about the endothelium. And the endothelial function is how you, that's a major risk factor for cardiovascular disease. And it is influenced by a whole lot of things. And in fact, the, you know, the traditional medical paradigm, there are five risk factors for cardiovascular disease, things like obesity and smoking and hypertension and lipids and things like that. Um, so five traditional risk factors. Yet when, uh, when, when you look at the literature, half of the people that go to the emergency department having a heart attack have normal lipids. We are missing a tremendous amount of patients based on our current evaluation system. In fact, we've maxed out our current evaluation system. By using these five risk factors, there's, we're not doing any better. We can increase our identification and say, oh, we've got all these people that have cardiovascular disease and we need to be aggressive with them and put them on statins. Yet the cardiovascular disease incidence hasn't decreased. We've made no effect. We've made, made no impact on outcomes by giving more and more and more of these medications. And we also increase side effects and all kinds of negative things at a huge cost. Absolutely. We're great at acute care, but we suck pretty big at preventative care. Absolutely. And that's something that we've talked about multiple times, uh, that, that concept. So uh, five traditional risk factors. The reality is that there are over 400 risk factors. And those five risk factors are often mis- um, not misidentified, mis-evaluated. Uh, we don't measure them correctly. They're mismeasured. And so we don't identify them correctly. Uh, and that we'll probably need to talk about that in the future as well. Uh, so you've got over 400 different risk factors, which means there are 400 different ways that these external influences will affect your body that increase your risk for cardiovascular disease. And again, it's things like hyperhomocysteinemia, so homocysteine and uric mm -hmm. acid and uh, certainly blood pressure when measured correctly and oxidized LDL and these lipid particles and uh, smoking and uh, nutritional deficiencies and environmental toxins and there's all kinds of things that contribute to cardiovascular disease. But interestingly, the body only has three ways that it responds to these infinite numbers of, um, of, of insults. And it's what Dr. Mark Houston uh, define or calls the three finite responses. So it's like, uh, you know, when I was in Iraq, we had our compound and if the bad guys came to attack, uh, you know, they could launch a missile or they were a rocket, I should say, uh, which was probably the most common way that they would attack us. And certainly the only way that when I was there that they had any success, um, with causing damage. Uh, so they will send a rocket, um, and, or a couple of rockets and try and and hit us, or they could send mortars, or they could send guys to try and attack the front gate, or uh, you could, I mean, just think of all the numbers of different ways that you can attack someone else. You can shoot them with a gun, you can throw a rock, you can do all these things. But imagine if our response, we only had three responses. Well, the, um, 
you know, for, for us, we wanted to tailor our response to each of the different things. Well, your body only responds in three different ways, uh, through inflammation, through oxidative stress, and through vascular immune uh, response. And so those are what we call the three finite responses. Now, those responses are good and appropriate. That's the way the blood vessel kind of should respond, so to speak. Um, but when that happens over and over and over again, uh, then it eventually will cause endothelial dysfunction uh, and, and cause a, a number of different uh, effects, which will eventually result in cardiovascular disease, atherosclerosis, vascular smooth muscle hypertrophy, and um, artery stenosis, and these kinds of things. Um, so think about it as a war between the infinite insults and the three finite responses with your endothelium caught in the crossfire. So basically, when we're talking about the endothelium um, and, and what it is and where it is, is in your vessel, uh, this is going to be a, a thin layer of cells that are stationed between the vessel itself and the what we would say is the lumen or the opening of that vessel. So where the, the, where the blood goes. Yeah, where the blood is going to be going. Um, so one of the things I think about is the endothelium lining is like the pantyhose. So you, you put your knee high on or you put your pantyhose on and that is the endothelial lining that is between your leg and the pant. So yeah, that, that, that's a, that's that a great, one little layer. That's a great example. And that, you know, the, the vascular wall is composed of a few things. The artery wall has the adventitia, which is kind of the outermost layer. And then it's got the media and the intima. And finally, the endothelium, which is this very thin, one cell thick layer separating kind of the blood vessel from the the lumen or the blood flow just exactly like you said so uh the you know the pantyhose very thin uh endothelium very thin but the endothelium has incredible function in fact it's kind of its own organ system or its own organ in and of itself uh, and we might as well go over the statistics on this uh now uh the the uh, the endothelium is the largest endocrine organ in the body and it's even the largest organ in the body so it's huge uh much larger than than we would give it credit for so when you say endocrine you mean that it's going to be able to respond and do things um through chemical messaging you got it okay yep exactly and you know again a lot of people don't really think of it in uh, in that way but it is so big that the square footage, the surface area of the endothelium is 14,000 square feet, in excess of 14,000 square feet. That is like six and a half tennis courts. Exactly. It's huge. Huge. Good grief. And by weight, if you wanted to like take all of those individual cells and just set it on a weight scale, um, it is five times the weight of the human heart. So my heart is really important connected to CVD, but at this point, when you've got five times the mass in my endothelial lining, my attention just shifted. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Because this is where all of the cardiovascular disease, well, when I say cardiovascular disease, I'm talking about atherosclerosis, heart attacks, those kinds of things. And this is where it starts. And so five times bigger than heart mass, that's about two kilograms or, you know, almost five pounds. That's a lot that's, of space for something to go wrong. Exactly. And whatever happens, you know, you get guys that come in and they complain of uh, erections, like they, they have erectile dysfunction, which, you know, ED, interestingly, is because of endothelial dysfunction, at least, you know, in a, in a large portion of the population. Um, so 
ED causes ED. Endothelial dysfunction causes wow. erectile dysfunction. And so when you have erectile dysfunction, you almost guaranteed have endothelial dysfunction because what's happening down there is also happening in your heart and also happening in your brain and also happening in your feet. It doesn't selectively just affect the artery in your heart. It affects all of them much in the same way. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting. The endothelium is metabolically active. It produces... It's doing stuff. Exactly. It's got a lot of, uh, a lot of job, but it is a membrane, and a membrane is a membrane is a membrane in the body, sort of. Uh, so what affects the gut health and causes a leaky gut in many ways can cause endothelial dysfunction or, or leaky endothelium which is also bad. Mm -hmm. uh, so one of the best things that you can do for your membranes is omega-3 fatty acids, fish oil. Often recommend about five grams, four to five grams per day of that, uh, and recommend that both by nutritional supplementation, uh, I mean by, by nutrition, so eating He's fish, eating. Yeah. as well as nutritional supplementation. I don't think I can eat that much fish, yeah, so yeah, I'm gonna want lot. supplements. Um, so, you know, when we're talking about cardiovascular disease, everyone has different genetics and some people think, oh, I've, I've got bad genetics. I'm gonna get a heart attack. You know, my dad had a heart attack at 40 or 45 and you know, my grandpa had a heart attack at 45 and all those things. And yes, there's no question. Family history is one of those five traditional mm -hmm. risk factors. And there's no question that that changes your risk. However, how much of a heart cardiovascular disease is genetic? Oh, only 20%. So and, we have means, a lot of grace in there. We've got a lot of room that we can control some things. Exactly. 80% of cardiovascular disease is environmental. But everyone has a different risk and you have different genetic SNPs or single nucleotide polymorphisms, which we just talked about on some of our last podcasts, um, which increase or decrease the risk of cardiovascular disease. And we can actually measure that, but we will, doing, we will be doing some podcasts about those genetics uh, in the near future. Um, in but this uh, this endothelial function atherosclerosis these kinds of things this is an inflammatory problem involving the immune system and the blood vessels and these kinds of things and in fact uh, Rudolf Virchow in 1845 identified these plaques in the arteries as an and as an inflammatory problem and he said atheroma which is the plaque mm -hmm. is a product of an inflammatory process within the intima. And he called this process, this plaque stuff, he called it endarteritis deformans. So an inflammatory process inside the artery that deforms it because of these plaques. So just one second, you're talking about inflammation a lot and um, an immune response. So my question, I guess, is if you have an individual who's suffering from any kind of autoimmune disorder, um, are they going to be more at risk? Well, there's by definition, there is there is increased inflammation and their their immune system is imbalanced and which is causing more inflammation so yes that is one of the risks for increasing cardiovascular disease okay that's one of the 400 one of the 400 yes so if you have an autoimmune problem you have an inflammatory problem which is causing that's this is part of uh the uh getting crossed caught in the crossfire okay so to an short answer yes okay so the endothelium is incredibly important and it is critical for uh, cardiovascular disease or at least the uh, the beginnings of cardiovascular disease and when you have a good healthy endothelium you don't have a ton of cardiovascular disease uh, we, we minimize that process when your endothelium 
becomes unhealthy, then that starts the process. Opens the door. Exactly. And uh, there are a number of things that can be done to enhance the endothelial function. Uh, one of the biggest ones is nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is incredibly important. And I would argue that most people are uh, horrifically nitric oxide deficient. And we're going to be talking about that in our next podcast. Absolutely. Real fast before we, we leave them, let's talk specifically about what the endothelial function is. Like what is its job? What are So that they understand how important it is to, to make sure that it's healthy. Sure. Okay. So this one cell layer thick of the endothelium, uh, the lining of the, the blood vasculature, um, its primary focus is to maintain vascular homeostasis. So when you go balance, you know, exactly. Uh, so when you go for a run or you go exercise, you need to increase blood flow when you know, you're more quiet and things like you're calm and relaxing, then you don't need your blood vessels as wide open. When you need more blood vessel or when you need more blood volume, blood flow, you increase the size of the artery, um, you know, do what we call vasodilation. Mm -hmm. And uh, that increases blood flow and, you know, for like your kidney function, for example, the way you affect um, how much uh, urine you make is by causing the blood vessels on either side of what's called the glomerulus to open or close. You've got afferent and efferent arterioles and they will open and close to regulate blood flow and create urine and things like that. So, and that, the endothelium plays an important role in that whole thing. So, uh, just as an example of one of the many things that it does. On a very, very basic level, you can actually visually see this happening. Let's say if you go and you do some um, exercising, uh, you get really hot, and you'll see those people who get really red in the face. Yep. Um, that is because you are dilating those vessels because your body's trying to cool off, so it's sending more blood towards the surface so that the heat can be exchanged with the atmosphere. And so then you see that redness come to the surface. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, and the endothelium plays a role in all of that. Perfect. What's next? Uh, so the, the endothelium also is like the bucket for the blood. It's the, the coating on the blood vessels that kind of carries the, uh, the blood. Uh, it is selectively permeable, meaning that things can get across it and through it on a selected basis uh, with an intact endothelium. It maintains uh, blood or it monitors bloodborne signals. So if there's stuff in the blood that n needs to send a message to the blood vessel, that the endothelium is kind of monitoring that whole signaling process. Okay. It is a target for uh, response modifiers. Uh, so when we're trying to affect change, the endothelium is, is a target. Um, there is dynamic regulation of hemostasis, thrombosis, which is uh, clotting, mm. um, you know, creating uh, clots and things like that. Vascular tone, vascular growth, and remodeling, which is a whole concept with both health and disease for the blood vasculature uh, arteries uh, based on a number of these infinite uh, insults and the three finite responses. Um, and the endothelium has uh, definite inflammatory and immune reactions which is very interesting how the immune system plays in that specifically, okay. uh, but beyond the scope of this podcast. And in short, ultimately what it does is it maintains vascular health, period, bottom line. I love it. We could have skipped all those and just said that. I'm just kidding. Yeah, we're, we, we needed all true. the other good little nuggets in there too. Somebody probably heard one of those and was like, oh, that's me. Yep. <laughs> so well hopefully done. that's the case. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for listening to us. Um, if you like the podcast, please go to iTunes 
and uh, write us a review on iTunes. If you're one of our patients, don't hesitate to go to Google and leave us a good Google review or just whatever Google review. Uh, all of those things help us, and we appreciate your help and effort in that. Until next time. Until next time. All righty. You guys take care. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast with Dr. Chad Edwards. Tune in next week where we'll be going against the grain.